Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, day one of training camp is in the books and people are already upset. We'll talk line combos and D pairings at Jets training camp. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, it's finally here, and man, oh man, did it ever look good seeing the pictures and the videos. The Winnipeg Jets are finally back on the ice. Training camp is underway. The regular season is right around the corner, and fans were there. People got to sit and watch the Winnipeg Jets for the first time in forever. So a little bit of normalcy back in our lives, which is always a good thing. But I'm jacked. I'm happy, man. I, I can't wait to finally get into some actual hockey talk, some actual game breakdowns and everything like that. And we can kind of get into that a little bit here because we saw some line combinations for the first time since the unofficial start to the upcoming season. Well, actually, before we get to that, we should start off with some good news, some some great news that came out of day one of training camp yesterday. And that was that the Winnipeg Jets are fully vaccinated. So awesome. Great news. I mean, look, first and foremost, it's the right thing to do. Like, it's the safe thing to do. I mean, let's just get that out of the way first. But, like, from a hockey perspective, there's no doubt that whichever teams have a regular player that is not vaccinated, it's going to be a distraction, and it's going to be an ongoing story all season long. So, thankfully, in Winnipeg, we don't have to deal with that for the remainder of this season, on the ice at least. But secondly... I mean, it also puts your team at a pretty big competitive disadvantage outside from being a distraction, right? I mean, I saw that Tyler Bertuzzi of the Red Wings is probably going to miss 20 to 30 games this year. Any player on a Canadian team might miss upwards of 30 games a year, right? It's just, it's not conducive to a team that is trying to go on a deep playoff run and needs basically every good break they can get. Just nice to see that this is out of the way. And we can focus just strictly on hockey stuff when we talk Winnipeg Jets. So that's great. But line combinations, like I mentioned there. This already got people fired up day one of training camp. And I love it. I, I, I love the passion. It's it's pure Winnipeg, right? To not even wait until the preseason starts. Never mind the regular season. But the preseason hasn't even started. And people don't like what's being thrown out there. Now, a part of me wants to say... 
let's just take a step back. It's day one of training camp. We don't need to freak out too early here, right? There's still a lot of time to go in the preseason before we get to the regular season. But the other part of me is like, you know what? The coaching staff had all summer to prepare for the start of training camp. And generally, they're going to put the guys out there in the positions that they want them to start the regular season. So when I see the projected top four forward lines for this team, I completely understand why there's a segment of the fan base that isn't happy with the mix-up front. So let's get into it. We'll break down the lines one through four. And obviously, we're going to start at the top here. It's the one that everybody's talking about, even though it's the one we've seen time and time again out there. But Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler, as of right now, are lining up as the Winnipeg Jets' top line to start the upcoming season. I think at this point... Everybody is set in their ways or are set in their thoughts about what they think of the Winnipeg Jets top line, Shifley, Wheeler, Connor. Either you love it and you believe what they did a few years ago is going to continue. They've shown flashes. Why break up something that clearly has some chemistry and has worked in the past? There's that segment. There's the other group that says, well, since that run to the West Finals, they haven't been all that great. And with Blake Wheeler aging, why should we expect that to change? I'm honestly pretty surprised that Paul Maurice went back to those three. And and maybe I shouldn't have been. You know, <laughs> it's been staring us in the face the whole time. Paul Maurice has, has shown in the past, right, that he loves to go back to Shifley, Wheeler, Connor when given the opportunity. It's what he's most comfortable with over these past few seasons. So, so we shouldn't be surprised, but I still am at least. And it's mainly because of the play of the guy that's on the second line, even though he shouldn't be by what he showed us last year. And that's Nikolai Ehlers. I I thought after last season's performance, there was no way you would deny Nikolai Ehlers a spot on that top line. And honestly, the switch is pretty simple. You just flip-flop Wheeler and Ehlers. And I think this forward group looks about as optimal as it could be. Right? Because, I mean, I guess we'll talk Connor Shafley-Wheeler first before going a little more macro between the two players I previously mentioned there. But we all know the case with Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler these past three seasons as opposed to the 2018 run. They've been outscored 5-on-5 five five as a number one line in the NHL. That's just not good enough, right? Like, you want your top line to be dominant. At the very least, to outscore slightly or break even, right? But when your top line's getting outscored at 5-on-5, five five, it puts such a burden on the second line, on your depth players on the power play and special teams to come through so you can overcome that margin. So I'm not a huge believer in that line working out in the long term. I mean, they're going to score their fair share of goals, as we've seen, but they're going to give up just as many, if not more. And hey, look, the defense is going to be improved. There's no doubt about that. But do we really expect Connor and Wheeler and, I mean, all three of them, do we expect all three of them to be miles better defensively than they were last season? I I don't know how you can bank on it just because the defense behind them is better. I mean, you're arguably putting your three worst defensive forwards all on the same line together while going up against the other team's best opposition, their best forward line generally, and their shutdown defense pair. I just, I don't like the recipe there. And I think there's a better mix with what this group has than throwing Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor over the boards again for the third or fourth consecutive season. 
Now, that says a whole trio, but even when we specifically look at just Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers for this instance, there really is no argument to have Blake Wheeler on that top line over over Nick Ehlers, right? When we're talking five-on-five play, what does Blake Wheeler do better right now than Nikolai Ehlers when it's at even strength? I I just don't see it. Like, I, I really don't. I mean, Nick Ehlers... Efficiency-wise, is one of the best scorers in the NHL, never mind on the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, the speed is night and day compared between the two as Blake Wheeler heads into his mid-30s. Even defensively, you know, Nikolai Ehlers isn't the best defensive winger in hockey. But it's tough to ignore the fact that Blake Wheeler has had some pretty significant struggles inside his own zone the past two seasons, especially last season. Although he was battling injury for the first half of the year, so maybe there should be a bit of leeway there. Even having said that, though, I might trust Nick Ehlers in his own zone more than Blake Wheeler at this point in their respective careers. I mean, not even taking into account the zone entries, the zone exits, the game-breaking ability, the shot. I mean, Nick Ehlers is this team's best all-around forward. And he's not going to be played the most minutes when it comes to even strength this upcoming season, by the looks of it, if he's going to be on the lines that were taking place yesterday. I just, I don't understand the logic behind that. I'm sorry. I I don't get it, right? Like, that's a guy that, no doubt about it, you play him 20 minutes a night, and and you don't worry about matchups or anything like that because he's one of the rare players that I believe is matchup-proof. You throw him out there, and... Pretty much every damn night, he's going to dominate the opposition. There's just no legitimate argument anymore as to why Nick Ehlers isn't playing 20 minutes a night. Why he isn't among the ice time leaders in forwards for this group this upcoming season. He's just, he's developed into too much of a force to keep him shackled on that second line. So we'll see what ultimately happens here. On top of it too, I love the way a Shifley ehlers Connor line could look out there on the ice. I think there's a lot of potential for that. And when you're looking at the rest of the group, if that was the case, if that's what was out there, I mean, you're talking about a potentially great first line, an improvement over Shifley wheeler Connor. But I don't know if you're losing a whole lot when you talk about the second line and it potentially being Dubois-Wheeler-Stasny or Dubois-Wheeler-Cop. I think either way, that group could work in a big way. Plus, I I think it's a positive, too, at this point in Blake Wheeler's career to have him playing 16, 17 minutes a night, especially during the regular season, right? Like, you want to keep Blake Wheeler fresh throughout the year in a condensed schedule to make sure he's not burnt out by the time the playoffs come around. I I just think there's too many positives when you look at flip-flopping Ehlers and Wheeler. There's too many things that could go right in a big way to not make that switch happen. So, I said I wouldn't get upset. I kind of got upset here. Even though it's day one of training camp, I really, really believe that Nick Ehlers should be on that top line. And the other part of it, too, is some people might term it as a demotion for the captain or, you know, look at it in a negative light like that. I I really don't see it that way. I mean, I I just stated that I think limiting his time on ice is, is a good way of keeping him fresh throughout the course of the entire season. But it's also not like... You're telling Blake Wheeler, okay, you're playing six minutes a night moving forward here. He'll still be playing with some high-end line mates. He's going to play over 16 minutes a night. And he's still going to be the quarterback on the number one power play. Right? You're just taking a couple of even strength minutes 
some mileage off of his game and getting somebody out there that has proven that if he gets more ice time, we're talking about a potential 90-point player in Nikolai Ehlers alongside Mark Shifley this upcoming season. Now on the bright side, when we talk top six and, and what was out there yesterday... I do kind of like the idea of a Dubois Ehlers cop line. <laughs> like, even having said Ehlers should be on the top line, should be playing 20 minutes tonight, Dubois Ehlers and Cop does sound like a really potent second line. And, and whether it is Cop or Stasny, wh- whoever is going to be the person, you know, lining up on the left wing opposite of Nick Ehlers, I think that's a trio that could get the job done. So while I really believe it's in the Jets' best interest to put Nick Ehlers up there on that top line, at the very least, that's going to be one of the better second lines in the league, in my opinion, because you're going to have a very, very motivated and ready-to-go Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think whoever you put beside him this upcoming year, you're going to be just fine. Really, really excited to see what PLD has in store. And if you heard Paul Maurice during his press conference after the skate, he's got the beach bod ready. He, he wins the shirt-off competition this year. So, hey, it sounds like he's ready to go. I hope so. I think he's primed for a big year, and I think he's primed for a big payday on top of it when he goes to the negotiating table after this upcoming season. Now, I think pretty much everything is set in stone for me looking at the projected lineup and what we saw out there. The only big change is in that middle six for me, and maybe a bit of a surprise to some in that Paul Stasny was the one skating beside Adam Lowry and not Andrew Kopp, who was obviously on the second line with Dubois and Ehlers. That one, to me, is still, I think, a little bit up in the air. I'm not, I'm not going to be shocked. If anything, I might guess or predict that eventually Cop does line up beside Lowry for game one of this upcoming season. But if you heard the forward preview episode that we did, I actually don't mind and, and thought Paul Stasny might be a solid fit beside Adam Lowry. So, honestly, I'm okay with however that second line shakes out, whether it is cop or whether it is Paul Stasny I might lean towards Stasny a little more offensive creativity there but either way I think the Jets are pretty set when it comes to their top eight forwards at the very least no real surprise I think I think we all expected him to kind of have the the first crack at the job there on the third line but it was Christian Veselainen getting the shot with Lowry and Stasny I expect Veselainen to be the third line winger to start the season whether it's Copper Stasi beside him, we'll see. But just a massive, massive opportunity for the former first-round pick. And in my opinion, really his last chance at, you know, grabbing an NHL roster spot with the Winnipeg Jets. If he doesn't impress and, and really show some pretty marked improvement from last year as well, I don't know how much longer he's going to be a member of the big club. Whether it's, you know, a demotion to the AHL or a trip to the waivers or a trade elsewhere... This is Christian Veselainen's last big chance to get it done. Very excited to see what he's going to do once the puck drops for Game 1. Maybe a slight surprise when we look at the fourth line, actually. I mean, Riley Nash being the guy down the middle, that's not a shocker to me. He just fits the mold of what Paul Maurice and Kevin Shivaldayoff have looked for in the past when it comes to a fourth line center. Defensively responsible, veteran, not going to score anything. Riley Nash, check, 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 check. <laughs> but it was Evgeny Sveshnikov getting a shot there. Fourth line right wing that maybe raised a few eyebrows because, you know, Toninato had a, a strong end to the season last year. Maybe he was the guy that was penciled in to start, but no, it was Sveshnikov. 
the former first-round pick from Detroit, skating on the right of Riley Nash, and it was Jansen Harkins out there on the left side. So we'll see what those three can do together. My best bet, though, if that's the line, the fourth line to start the year, low event baby. I don't think a whole lot's going to happen out there when those three are on the ice, which isn't too bad for a fourth line, right? At least the puck isn't ending up in your net. But I don't really see a whole lot of offense coming out of that trio. We'll see if it's an improvement, though, over last year's fourth line with Nate Thompson and, and Trevor Lewis and company. We'll look at the decor in just a second here, but we got to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Because week three of the NFL season is, I guess it's officially here now, now that the Thursday Nighter is done. But DraftKings is giving new customers 150 bucks instantly when you bet just $1 on any football game. That's right, just head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and again, a bet of $1 on any week three game, you get 150 in free bets instantly. Now, a sportsbook is not yet available where you're at. DraftKings still has monster cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. To the defense core. I don't think any surprises there whatsoever, right? We have Morrissey Schmidt, although DeMello rotated in every now and then, but I imagine it's Morrissey Schmidt, Brandon Dillon and Neil Pionk, and then Dylan DeMello and Logan Stanley rounding out the top six. To me, the biggest story of the first day was actually Brandon Dillon. If you didn't hear or see it, the new guy comes in on day one of training camp with his new team, and the Man Mountain lets his presence be known. Absolutely demolishes Shifley. Absolutely demolishes another forward, another of his teammates, before Adam Lowry maybe feels the need to step in and say, whoa, 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 let's, we're all friends here, let's maybe take it down a notch. Paul Maurice was very effusive in the press conference afterwards about his praise for Brendan Dillon, and specifically the element that he brings that maybe hasn't been on this team since big old 33 was patrolling the blue line. And that's just... A mean, nasty SOB that is no fun to play against whatsoever. I mean, the physical edge is something this decor has lacked since Dustin Bufflin decided to call it quits. I mean, I know Derek Forbert was brought in last year, and and size-wise, he certainly, you know, filled that role. But how many times do you remember hearing about a big hit by Derek Forbert last year? If anything, Neil Pionk, his partner who's half a foot shorter than he is, was the one laying out bigger hits than Forber did last year, right? Brendan Dillon is going to make his physical presence known, and it's going to be that way every single game this season. I think it's I think it's really important that the Jets brought in somebody like that. I know there's, you know, this new age debate about size isn't as important as it used to be. I would agree with that 100% when it comes to the forward core, 
I would agree with that most of the time on the blue line that, hey, it's okay to be undersized if you've got skill. But I do think when it comes to defense cores, you, you need some you need some size. A guy that can play, right? You don't just want some cement boots out there, but a guy that can skate and move the puck, but is also big and mean, that element is really important. It's hard to ignore the fact that over these past two seasons, you had the Lightning, the Stars, and the Montreal Canadiens all reaching the Stanley Cup final. What do those three decors all have in common? Massive, massive blue lines all across the board. Tons of skill there, but they've got a few guys tipping the scales at, you know, 230, 240. And they make sure you're wearing a couple of ice packs after the game. So, great, great debut, in my opinion, for Brendan Dillon on day one of training camp. No real surprises, I guess, like I said, when it comes to the defense core. All that's really left to be figured out is, essentially, who's going to be labeled the first, the second, and the third pair. I mean, if I had to guess, I would think Paul Maurice might lean a little bit towards Morrissey and Schmidt, giving Josh Morrissey... The lion's share of even strength minutes, but in my opinion, Pionk and Dylan should no doubt about it be this team's number one defense core heading into game one of the season. And Neil Pionk should be this team's minutes leader for the upcoming campaign as well. We'll also see what the power plays look like, right? Because you have three defensemen realistically vying for either two or three spots on the power play, but only one of those is going to go to a blue liner on the first power play unit, right? And we saw Josh Morrissey take that role for the majority of last season to mixed results. It's not a foregone conclusion, in my opinion, that Neil Pionk is going to be the guy there. Because Nate Schmidt, also a right shot D, has had power play success in the past. So we'll see what they ultimately end up doing there with the first power play unit. I'm not going to be surprised as well if the second power play unit sees three forwards and two defensemen. So you might end up seeing Josh Morrissey get power play time no matter what happens. But what I would like to see is Neil Pionk, again, give him all the even strength minutes. Maybe not a ton of shorthand in minutes. He got some other guys to fill that role. But in my opinion, he's this team's best power play defenseman. And I think it's important, too, on that first power play to have a right shot defender up at the top there. It's not Patrick Line Island anymore, but Mark Scheifele's got himself a hell of a one-timer, too. And I just think everything flows a lot better when you can have... The pass from Wheeler, up top to the blue line, and then quickly over to Shifley for the one-timer. And Neil Pyong's got a great shot as well, right? If he wants to let it go. I just think he's the guy to put there. We'll, we'll see what happens. We might not know officially until the preseason gets rolling around. But for me, we had the summer of Chevy. It's time for the autumn of Pyong. It's Neil Pionk time. I'm going all in for it. I love it. I, I hope he gets the job, but we'll see what Paul Maurice does in a few weeks' time. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're back at it on Tuesday. We'll break down more of Jets training camp. We'll see if any of the line combos have switched up or if it's status quo over the weekend. On top of that, we'll also continue our ranking series as we get closer and closer to the start of the NHL season. We go from on the ice to off the ice. It's an executive-based episode, kind of. We'll get into where Paul Maurice ranks among coaches in the NHL, and then as well as where GM Kevin Cheveldayoff ranks amongst front office execs. Fair to say he's probably going to place pretty highly on everybody's list after the summer of Chevy that we all witnessed. 
But again, thank you guys so much for listening. We're back at it on Tuesday. This has been another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.